The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 162. Oi! Don't be scared. All of this is new to you and new can be scary. When people need help, I never refuse. There's this moment when you're sure you're about to die, and then you're born. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series Doctor Who. And today we're discussing Fugitive of the Jadoon, the latest episode in Series 12. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, if you can, do us a huge favor to help us out by writing a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from and share the podcast with your friends. Help us grow this community of listeners and reach more folks with this very fun, interesting and educational, I hope, podcast. So let's get right into it. Talk about this big episode of Doctor Who uh, featuring the 13th <laughs> Doctor, Jodie Whittaker. Uh, all right. Uh, what do you think? What's your first impression? Who wants to go first? Uh, Father, uh, Co- Father Corey, what'd you think? As, as I uh, mentioned kind of between recordings here, I go this, we, we kinda, I, I kind of sounded like David Tennant at the end of it. What? What, <laughs> what was that? What? <laughs> was that a good what or a bad one? Oh, it, was, it was good. It, I enjoyed the episode, but they, there's a lot of little twists in this episode that were really not expected. Okay. Uh, Jimmy, what was your overall impression? Overall, I liked it. Um, I I thought that um, I, I I really like, and as we get into it, I'll explain why. But I really liked this episode. Uh, I thought it was one of the best things so far from the Chibnall era. And I had had some trepidation because you know they'd been hinting something big is coming, and I thought, yeah, we'll see. And then th- there's a little before the midpoint mm-hmm. of this, uh, actually, it's about a quarter of the way in. We have a twist, and I thought, if this is the twist, I am really going to be disappointed, right? Um, and because <laughs> I'm not enthusiastic about this twist. And then, as we went further into the episode, I started thinking this is going in an interesting direction. And then they started fleshing out my own personal head canon which is consistent with things they've established previously on the show. And so I really like that. Okay. All right. We'll get into that. Uh, I, I also really enjoyed this uh, episode. I, I, I saw a few things coming, but I have a tendency to be able to figure some things out. The, the twists that uh, writers like to write, I, I kind of have my, yeah. my head around that. Uh, so, but I, I did like the things I didn't expect. Uh, there were mm-hmm. elements of this that I totally didn't see coming. And I feel like what, what has happened is that Chibnall has introduced a whole new arc, a whole new yeah. big picture yep. arc that we're going to be exploring for what I hope. I hope. I hope this isn't a oh, in next episode we we've you know settle it or something. I think this is a a big thing that we're going to be exploring, which is good. Uh, yeah, he's, suddenly it became it became interesting again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we have um, the Jadoon, which uh, who we last saw actually in um, Face the Raven with uh, the the quote-unquote death of a companion uh spoilers it was clara 
who didn't die. Yep. <laughs> but we saw the Jadun in that episode. But they really are uh, monsters from the created in the Russell T Davies era. I and so uh, I I liked the Jadun in this much better than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I, I I number one the makeup is a little better, and mm-hmm. number yeah. number two the performance of is better instead yes. of instead of delivering their their uh their language in monotone you know rojo bojo ho wo you know they're, they're not yeah. doing that they're giving us some inflection right and right. that makes it much less annoying because otherwise it's a comic gimmick and um and so getting the inflection in the performance is nice also we get to see the Jadoon being what they are, which is right. police for hire. Uh, they're rent-a-cops and getting to see them being rent-a-cops. We really haven't seen that. I mean, we've seen them as kind of thugs in the interim, but we haven't seen them functioning as cops, working within a legal framework mm-hmm. um, since their original appearance. And so this harks back to that in a big way. And, and I like that return to their classic essence. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is an episode, another episode that takes place primarily on Earth. Uh, this is Mark's yep. yet another one in this in this season. Um, some folks have kind of noted that we, we aren't getting out into the the wider universe as much as other seasons of Doctor Who. Although yeah. there, that's this has been the case both in classical even in modern Who. The the balance has been. You know, uh, yeah. and get order. ready for that trend to continue next episode. Right. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yet potentially another one the next it. three episodes, if the way the this episode ended. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. The, speaking of which, this is the fifth episode, which means we're in the middle of the season. This is the fifth episode mm-hmm. of the of season already, which is. And, know, and it was nice to see them do twists in mid season instead of saving it all for the final episode or two of the right. season. Yes. Yes. It gives us some time. Uh, so to get into the story, we have Ruth and Lee in Gloucester, England, uh, not Massachusetts, uh, which is where I am, but it's in Gloucester, England. Mm. Um, it's Ruth's birthday, apparently. And, uh, Lee, we see Ruth getting ready. And as she is heading out the door, she says, all right, Monday, do your worst, which, you know, never taunt Monday. Never it's, say that. <laughs> never, never say that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Ruth is apparently a tour guide in Gloucester. Uh, she set up, she set up shop outside Gloucester Cathedral and she's got all of this knowledge of Gloucester that she wants to lay on folks who, you know, who are come by. So I thought that was a uh, fun. And uh, there was a, a nice moment where the, a young lady sort of quizzes her on her knowledge and she tells her, Oh, that uh, Henry the third was, I think it was Henry the third was uh, crowned here in the 12th century. And she's like, meh. She goes, uh, they filmed Harry Potter here. Oh, that's very interesting. She yeah. says. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Um, and then uh, we see Ruth go to a cafe where the barista named Alan, a former bartender who now uh, is a barista, a, a job shift, um, presents her with this dossier on her boyfriend, Lee, who he thinks is a, a nefarious figure. So we're getting the, a little bit of misdirection right here off the bat um, and tells he's trying to get her to go out with him. Although my, for later on, it's implied or I think outright said that she's married to Lee. Like he's yeah, trying yeah. to break up their marriage, which yep. is kind of weird, um, because he thinks she she can do better than. Well, mm-hmm. he's 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 a weird character as a whole. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, and he he doesn't know how to make hearts on the top of coffee. Yes, he's a bad barista so far. 
<laughs> so the Jejun... on multiple levels, actually. <laughs> yes, on multiple levels. Um, and then we we end this part of the episode with the Jadoon firing some sort of beam from orbit uh, at Gloucester, which we find out later is, sets up an exclusion zone around uh, Gloucester, a large part of the city of Gloucester. Uh, now, then we have the TARDIS and Ryan and uh, Yaz and Graham are on the TARDIS, the doctor and the, the companions are talking to each other, says uh, watching the doctor at the console says uh, she spends hours at the console looking for something, thinking that the companions haven't noticed and mm. um, that uh, she she drops them off back home and says, I'm going to go do a thing. I'll be back in an hour. And then she's gone for ages. And uh, fi- when she finally comes back and that she's off doing things without them. And uh, they confront her. And you know, of course, what she's doing is she's looking, she, they confront her, they get her to tell her, tell them what she's doing. She's looking for the master. She thinks, and sp- I like the way they confront her because yeah. Yaz, she initially tries to duck the question, but the family started getting more assertive lately. And here mm-hmm. Yaz says flat out, don't lie to us. Right. And it's at right. that moment that the doctor says, I'm looking for the master. Right. And she's very moody about it. Right. I mean, she's very mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. not the usual peppy doctor self. There's this moodiness. Um, and she's really she's letting the family down in right. order to look mm-hmm. for the master. And and this is nice because Jodie Whittaker's character was basically two notes last season. There's the happy note and then there's the scoldy note. And yep. and now we have the moody note which is making her significantly more complex because she's she doesn't always have the moral high ground, which she right. does mm-hmm. if she's just being happy or scoldy. Um, here she's like letting her peeps down, and she, that that's, makes her more interesting as a character. And apparently, apparently the Doctor doesn't want to tell them about what the Master told her about Gallifrey and, and this other yep. stuff. She's keeping close to the vest. Um, so, and they, um, they want her to take, to take her, you know, take them in, you know, she wouldn't go with her. She's also when, when, uh, when she disappears saying she'll be gone for an hour and then it's longer than that. She's not just been looking for the master. She's been going home to Gallifrey. Right. Right. And she says she won't take them with her to Gallifrey because you ask too many questions. (laughs) You kind of throws at them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and that's when they're interrupted by a Jadoon warning beacon uh, when they uh, they when they set up around a planet for a police enforcement action. They 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 set up a warning beacon to keep people away, I guess. Um, and, and this is something new on Doctor Who, where normally the doctor goes somewhere and then adventure happens. But mm-hmm. now the TARDIS has like email alerts for there's an adventure happening here. <laughs> and do you want to check it out? <laughs> Click yes or no. <laughs> right. Yeah. A notification pops up. <laughs> so uh, she says, a platoon of Jadoon near the moon? I'm not having that. <laughs> as, as someone who likes puns and wordplay. That and, and deliberate callback to the uh, Jadoon's original appearance, which was on the moon. Yes, yep. the Jadoon on the moon. Uh, so back on planet Earth, um, Ruth it, you know, it, it sees the Jadoon coming around. They're doing their old cataloging thing where they scan a person uh, they say not a fugitive and they give him a hand stamp so they can get into the club later. Uh, but also yep. that says that they're not um, what they're looking for. And this old woman who's been in the park knitting with a Ruth refuses to be cataloged. First, they vaporize her knitting needles, uh, which they said were weapons. 
And then they give her compensation for the weapon. <laughs> right, right. They, yeah. Because she'd been working on it for nine weeks, that knitting. Uh, and then she refuses to be cataloged and walks away in the Jadoon vaporizer right there, which is, you know, very shocking. Her for, little, uh, their, their exclusion bubble uh, yeah. is basically like a killer force field. Well, I'm not sure. No, he shoots at her, though. He, he shoots. He? I, I thought she walked into a force field. No, no. He, he executes her. Pretty sure. He actually, like, I, it looked it looked to me like she hit this green force field and vaporized. Um. All right. We'll have to. I'll have it, was, to it was different special effects from the from the blaster. The blaster is red and they basically disintegrate. She like you saw her skeleton and everything as it all disintegrated. Yeah. Yep. With the green outline. Instead. All right, well, well, uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll have to rewatch it now because now I want I have to make sure I'm right. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> so uh we get b- back to yeah then we have uh lee the boy the husband uh, not boyfriend the husband of ruth shows up at the coffee shop to pick up ruth's birthday cake um and that's when the doctor shows up in the kitchen and, and alan has written the special birthday message you can do better <laughs> On the cake, yeah. <laughs> which is like, ouch. Uh, At this point, in fairness to Al, though, in, in, it's, it's not exactly in fairness to Alan, but we, the viewer, don't know that they're married at this point. Right. right. So right. we don't realize that Alan is a homewrecker in the same sense. We think he's just trying to break up a bad relationship between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. That's true. That's well, true. Well, and as uh, as as he sees the cake, he's, Lee kind of turns to the side and goes, humans. Yes, yes. Yeah. He kind of mutters humans under his breath. Yep. Uh, and th- this is when the doctor and fam show up in the kitchen of the of the cafe. Uh, and, and they she mentions the Jadoon and they run out. Uh, when Lee hears about the Jadoon, he runs. Uh, he mm-hmm. You know, he runs mm-hmm. off. Um, Graham kind of hangs behind because he realizes they're in a coffee shop and wants to, he sees the, the cute cupcakes and get a cupcake and is about to order something when he gets transmatted out when the doctor isn't looking like he just get zapped. Uh, which, out. Yeah. Which yeah. is uh, scary. By the way, something that I've been meaning to mention about the Jadoon is their name is so frustrating to me because as a, you know, a linguistics fan. So every their language is built around. Apparently, around um, it's apparently a non-inflected language where everything is built around individual open syllables, and Mm -hmm. the vowel that ends every open syllable is an O sound. It's Mm -hmm. and and so how is their name Jadoon? It should be like um, it should their name for themselves (laughs) should be something like Jodo or Jodo O. Or something like that. But how do you how do you close that final vowel with an N? And how do you shift from an O in the first syllable to a U sound? So this is clearly somebody else's name for the Jadoon. They right. it, it's not can't be their own name for themselves. I'm going to make it worse. The Jadoon's captain's name in the credits is Paul Condon. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. I wasn't going to bring it up because they don't say it on the air. Yeah. Although um, there's a reason for why it's named Paul Condon. Right, right. It was a a, a fan ahead. who died who was friends of Chris Chibnall's. Mm, uh, yeah. So, uh, so named in his honor. But yeah, <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, it is funny. Um, uh, all, we, all ears, Alan. The, that's his self-proclaimed nickname. Uh, the then, barista. Yeah. He, uh, with the Jadoon coming to the shop, he, he, he points out Lee as a, as a suspicious character and gives them the dossier. But then he shoves the Jadoon for making a mess of the shop. 
uh, and assaulting an officer of the Jadoon is apparently an executable offense, a capital crime, and he's immediately shot and vaporized, uh, which was, again, the same thing that they did to the yep. old lady, but... <laughs> Yeah, I'm with Father Corey on this one. <laughs> I am not going to let that go. Uh, fans, write in, listeners, write in and let me know if I'm right. So the uh, the doctor finally confronts the Jadoon outside of Ruth and Lee's apartment building and does the psychic paper thing where she poses as an imperial regulator and shuts down the enforcement. Well, uh, one thing, one thing I like that they've been doing with this doctor is she doesn't have control of the psychic paper. Yeah. You know, because other doctors, they would say, this is what I am. And of course, the psychic paper would show it. Uh, but she doesn't have a because there, there have been times they've done both. But yeah, so far with with Jodie Whittaker, she has not had control of the psychic paper. Because remember, there was a, was it last episode where she went through about like five or six things before it's like, oh, that's what it is. Because <laughs> yeah. I remember. You know? So this time it's like, yeah. she just shows it. It's like you're an imperial investigator. Ah, yes, I am. You know, <laughs> I, I remember with Capaldi and Bill in the in Regency England there with the thing under the Thames where he held it up and he was surprised by what it said. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It, at, at times he's had control, but this doctor doesn't have control. And in A Christmas Carol, Matt Smith holds it up claiming he's a responsible adult and <laughs> it's just wavy lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I like uh, I like how in this scene, the Jadoon cite a specific subsection of some regulation for what they're about to do. And the doctor says, ah, but that's suspended in this case by... Earth Local law. Earth Law Twelve, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Law 12. <laughs> and they buy it. Yeah. Well, uh, then, then he goes, "Isn't that right?" You know, liaison officer Yaz. Yeah. Oh, totally, absolutely, that is the case. <laughs> yes. Earth Law Twelve. Yeah. Uh, then she says, "Look at you and your platoon of Jadoon near the," and she points to the canal lagoon and yeah it's kind of crazy yeah. so it's more like a canal hey don't mess with the rhyme <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of fun uh the jadoon give her five minutes to negotiate uh arbitrate with lee to get him to come out of the apartment before they use some sort of time beam that has bad effects uh yeah, it's effect. meant to freeze things in time but it's going to kill people because it's not mm -hmm. a not 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 safe. bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like how in this episode, so they're setting this up. So the doctor is going to be working with the Jadoon mm -hmm. here. And she's mm -hmm. really kind of working f with both sides. She's arbitrating. Yeah. But I like how instead of just being opposed to the Jadoon, she's right. she's trying to work within the situation to help everybody achieve a reasonable outcome. Right. Uh, yeah. And so then the next uh, scene, we have the first of this episode's big surprises. We we had some some of us had heard that there was going to be a, a someone returning from previous seasons of Doctor Who, a big character. Uh, there was talk of Donna or uh, Martha. I, I, let me be honest. I really wanted Donna to show up and find out that the Doctor yes. is a woman now, because that would be awesome. I would love to see Donna's reaction to the doctor being a woman now. Oh, she was space girl. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that that would be very fun. But no, uh, the Graham wakes up uh, now having been transmitted and he's on a spaceship that's being shot at. We never see who's shooting at him, uh, but it's being piloted by none other than Captain Jack, who is back. John Barrowman, who apparently had to fake a house renovation in Cardiff in order to keep it secret that he was uh, filming this role for Doctor Who, which is oh, a lot of fun. He didn't, he didn't fake it. He went through with the renovation, <laughs> apparently. He apparently ended up just doing the <laughs> renovation anyway, which is, that's commitment to the role. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, John Barrowman is back. 
Um, so at this moment in the episode, my heart is sinking because I'm thinking this is the big twist that Jack is oh, back yes. and it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> not really mustering a lot of enthusiasm about that. Captain yep. Jack has never been my favorite character. Yeah. He, See, he, yeah, go ahead. You know, one, one thing I thought, though, uh, before continuing on with Captain Jack is when I, when I first saw that the spaceship. I thought it was that he got beat that uh, Graham got beamed to the Shadow Proclamation because it looked a lot like the Shadow Proclamation building. Oh, yeah. Because, of course, the Jejun were involved there as well. I figured that right. was the connection. So, of course, that's that's part of the twist, too. I thought it looked like an alternate TARDIS because it has this big empty space with a central console in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a little of that, too. Uh, and so uh, Captain Jack uh, assumes once again that uh, Graham is the doctor. This is a, an ongoing third, third theme. episode this season. Yes. And uh, he, he gets disabused of that notion and finds that the doctor's a woman and is all excited. I, I have to say, I'm a little tired of the whole Captain Jack as like sexual innuendo Pan, machine. Pansexual guy. Yeah. 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 I mean, like he could be whatever he wants, I suppose, but it's just the constant. The comments, the constant. It's, it's he's a, he's it, it, it he's like another two note character, and right. one of them yep. is sexual innuendo. Yeah, uh, it's, and it's, they loaded it's it up big time in this episode. They did, they did. Having said that, I even though I'm not wild about him as a character, I did think that the dialogue they wrote for him was clever. Yeah, as he mm-hmm. interacts with the companions, and it's like there's three of you now. I had a dream about this, <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. And, he and likes Ryan gives him back talk, and it's like you're my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I did like that the, his interaction with Ryan. That was fun. Um, meanwhile, the Doctor uh, back in that apartment building with Ruth and Lee scans the, both of them. They they come up as human, so she's confused. Um, uh, the uh, the Doctor searches the flat. And finds uh, a box that isn't from Earth. Interesting that neither Lee nor Ruth tries to stop them from searching their house. People come Mm. into my house and want to search it. It's like, "Ah, where's your warrant, dude? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Uh, I did. I forgot to mention that one of the things that Jack says to Graham in the first encounter is, I have to talk to the woman, uh, to the woman, to the to the doctor, the doctor, because the future of the universe is at stake. So we we dum 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 something important. Yep. Okay. So uh, the doctor finds this little box that isn't from Earth, or it reads as, you know, not not Earth. Um, and then she's going... And they don't just open it and look. <laughs> as soon as they start getting all demandy about what is this thing, it's like, well, you could open it and take a look. <laughs> You've already yeah. searched their apartment. It's only another step <laughs> forward to just invading a little more privacy. Uh, so they go- they're going to... There's a lot of back and forth with Ruth and Lee and the countdown, and you've got 10 seconds left that lasts for five minutes. Um, and I, I, I really like how there's a moment where, you know, they're trying to plan how can we get Ruth out of here? Because the, the, Lee's solution is take Ruth, go down the fire escape, and I will talk. To, I'll, I'll let the Judoon in here and, and, and they can talk to me. Yeah. And, um, and the doctor's like, we can't get out of here on the fire escape. We're not going to be able to get past them. And then there's a moment where the doctor Yaz and Ryan, all three together say diversion. (laughs) (laughs) So this becomes the plan. Yaz and Ryan, since Yaz is a police officer, she'll go down there. She'll, she'll, you know, police talk on them to Mm -hmm. keep them distracted while the doctor gets Ruth down the fire escape. And then they'll bring him in to talk to Lee, who they believe is the, is the fugitive. Um, 
And that's a reasonable plan, although as soon as they get down there, Yaz doesn't use a whole bunch of police lingo. She just says, arbitration mm. finished, arbitration result, you can go in. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not much of a diversion. But at this point, Yaz and Ryan get beamed away now to the to uh, presumably to Captain Jack and Graham. Um, Lee, meanwhile, as as the Doctor and Ruth are are, uh, are heading out, uh, Lee says he's keeping his promise. He sort of says to himself while looking at the box and then types in types a message into his phone. All we see is the word follow. We'll see the rest of the message yep. in a bit. Um, and uh, this is when, the you know, the Jadun come in. And a Commander Gat shows up. Um, and, this, a woman. and Commander Gat looks human, but is in a stylized costume. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is the moment where 20 minutes in where I said to me, where I said to my, and I'd already had suspicions of this, but I said to myself, this is all going back to Gallifrey. This is Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. It's a Gallifreyan fugitive. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I didn't catch it. Was there something specific or is it just instinct? Just instinct based on her. I mean, I'd I'd already been thinking Chameleon Arch Mm -hmm. um, and then something about her bearing just said Gallifreyan to me. Right. And then when and later in this scene where she's talking to Lee, it turns out what's in the in the box is part of a Medal of Honor that's made of chronotelluric alloy. Which She's is got a the word thing. time in there, chrono. Yeah. Okay, and she refers to Lee as she as she kills Lee. And I've seen some people on the internet say one of the Jadoon kills Lee. No, it's Gat. Yeah, Gat gats him with her space Gat. <laughs> and um and and as she does that, she refers to him as a faithful companion. And I said. This is clearly Gallifrey, and we've got a situation where you've got a major Time Lord is the fugitive, and he's yeah. the companion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, uh, because he is not the fugitive, they determine that he is not the fugitive, but for some reason that means he has to die. The Jadoon yeah. object to her shooting him, uh, right. but she comes up with some reason why it's okay. I have to be honest, I, I early on said Ruth is the fugitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. When when Alan showed Ruth Lee's dossier in the cafe, I said, Lee is not the fugitive. This is misdirection. Yeah, that's right. just. And I yeah. I didn't I didn't suss out that it wasn't Lee that early. But by this point, it's definitely Ruth is a Ruth is a major time lord and Lee is her companion and she's chameleon arched herself. And right. he's mm-hmm. in the Martha Jones role of he's the safety valve that knows what's going on. Right. right. And is sworn to protect her while she's in hiding. Right. And well, and there's and that yeah. makes the, the opening, the first scene so interesting because you, all you see is the wristwatch. You see Ruth's right. wristwatch. Oh, and that's right. An interesting reversal or interesting uh, misdirection because you see it, you know, counting down as she's waiting for her absolutely perfect toast. That's yeah. right. That's right. The big witch is when the when uh, the tenth doctor had the chameleon arch. It was the pocket, pocket watch. watch. Okay, as, yeah. as well as the master when he was and Derek the master. Jacobi. That's right. This is the second use of the chameleon arch in this season. So uh, the doctor and Lee are in the Gloucester Cathedral now. They're hiding out there. Uh, Ruth gets the text from Lee. It says, "Follow the light, break the glass." And happy birthday, <laughs> happy birthday. And which she, is which is another illusion there's a double entendre there because yep. as soon as she breaks the glass it's her birthday all over again in another exactly sense. she's reborn um she sees a vision of a lighthouse when when she gets the text um it's it and it triggers some instincts where she uh uh 
she has she, the, she suddenly becomes all River Tam from Serenity and takes down these Jadoon. Yeah, where have yeah. we seen that recently in Star Trek Picard? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> seems to be happening a lot these days. I'm waiting for my ninja moment. Uh, the, Jadoon, the Jadoon corner the Doctor and Ruth in the cathedral. The Doctor tells them, she tells them to respect the place of worship, which is yeah, interesting. This is mm-hmm. a place of worship. Show some respect. Nice. Or I'll, or I'll overload your guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. That doesn't seem to be respected. Yeah. That works. A, another time when the doctor has confronted. I find confront- your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's another time when the doctor confronts the bad guy in the cathedral, where we saw that in the Lazarus episode there. Uh, yep. And uh, it turns out that Ruth is the fugitive, but she doesn't know who she is. Uh, and the Jadun switched strategy. Uh, because Ruth made it very personal by dishonoring the Jadun captain by snapping off his or her horn. There is a moment where yeah. someone refers to the Jadun captain as a as a she. I think the doctor the doc- does. doctor says woman to woman. Let us talk woman to woman. Yeah. So uh, we can know. settle this woman to woman. Right. Yeah. Uh, but snaps off the horn, uh, which is a apparently something that very dishonors because the Ruth apparently had this moment where she's. And she knows who she is of some sort or some part of who she is and is able to operate in the knowledge of the Jadoon and and what they're up to. So she snaps off the Jadoon's horn and then she punches the recall, the recall button on on the Jadoon's chest. And then and she says something in Jadoon, which is presumably a threat or get out of here or something like that. And then they all beam up. Yes, yeah, beam back, and then the, uh, the 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 exclusion field go, goes away, and and that's when the doctor says oh, they've switched strategy, and that's bad. It means that it's unpredictable. Uh, so they, the, she tells the doctor about her vision of the lighthouse. It's where she grew up. It's her her home when she grew up, and so that's where they're going to go. Now we're back to Jack and the companions, and he says uh, he he has stolen the spaceship that they're on. Mm-hmm. And he activates some security feature that's going to attack his his genes or something, nanogenes. And so yeah. he's got a very limited time to give them a message to give to the doctor, uh, which is beware the lone Cyberman. Don't give it what it wants at all right. costs. Uh, and then he says their empire is in ruin finally, but that could all change. The Alliance sent a weapon back through time to stop them. So. Now, the, the nanogenes are a connection back to when we first saw Captain Jack, because, of course, he it was from Empty Child, and he got yeah. that that ambulance that was full of nanogenes. That's right. The, the Empty Child nanogenes. Interesting. Uh, and we did see in the preview for next week something about a gas mask. Did, did you notice that? that the, I didn't. Someone, someone approaches someone laying on the ground that has a gas mask and a full uh, environmental suit, like a like a, mm. like a World War One or two environmental. Suit. So, hmm, I wonder if that's related. Uh, so, so anyway, there's this message that they have to give them, and now we have the the Doctor and uh, Ruth go to the lighthouse, the um, world's shortest lighthouse. So this yeah. is West Usk Lighthouse. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it, and since 2012, as I as I'm reading from the TARDIS Wikia. This lighthouse turned bed and breakfast has had a Dalek in the foyer and a TARDIS as changing room for the hot tub on the roof. So this oh, is apparently yeah. a place that where the, it's the, the fans of Doctor Who uh, have 
have uh, put some stuff in there. And so they decided to film there, which is yeah. going to be great for business, I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and things work out better in this lighthouse than they do in the horror of Fang Rock. So not, <laughs> yeah. it's not an everybody dies situation. See, I was, was kind of hoping. almost kind of half hoping this would be horror Fang Rock. I was almost half hoping it would be that same lighthouse. I like, was hoping that would too. walk in. This place looks familiar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was hoping it too. Uh, so that the lighthouse, the Donic, uh, the Do- Donic. The doctor, Sonic's, the Ruth's parents' grave, that's apparently a grave that's not marked, um, and and as she digs it up- and starts digging. Yeah. Yeah. It mm-hmm. turns out she finds a TARDIS, which is the police box TARDIS. Just, I was going to say, not just a TARDIS, it's yeah. the TARDIS. Right, the or, TARDIS. or a TARDIS that has the same camu- cam- camouflage circuit design. That, that was, yeah. that was very confusing at first. Ruth- finds the the a break the glass button inside the lighthouse yeah and this is something weird is happening with ruth at this point when they come into the lighthouse the doctors there's this tense moment and i have in my notes that at this point you know it's eerie it's fast-paced and it's dramatic just as the feel of this episode but then Mm -hmm. when they get into the into the lighthouse the doctor says mind if I look around and Ruth takes a minute to reply and just stone faced and says, sure. Yeah. And so the doctor goes up to, to, to the second floor, <laughs> right, yeah. which is the top of the lighthouse. That is so ridiculous. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Ruth says, I'll start a, I'll get a fire going. And I'm like, why? It is clearly like spring. Right. You know, this well, is this is not cold weather. It's the English and, coast. If that were Maine in spring, it would be the same thing. I would start a fire because yeah. it'd be cold. Well, <laughs> it's not Southern California. It, like, it's <laughs> it's gr- but I mean, it's all green outside. Yeah. Yeah. You know? it's and like Maine. so in any event, I, I don't know why there's she's starting a fire. I thought this is maybe her programming kicking in or something, because after building the fire, that's when she sees the fire alarm. And some right. people, I've seen some people say, oh, there's Gallifrey in writing on it. No, it's hard to read, but if you freeze frame and look closely, it says fire alarm. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and, and yeah, that's an old know, school says, fire alarm. You see yeah. th- similar things like that here in the States, too. I mean, yeah. yeah. And it says break glass. And so now that she's built the fire, she looks at the fire alarm and she breaks the glass and everything comes back to her. Right. And then she does what every Time Lord immediately does upon being reborn, changing her clothes. Yes. Goes to the closet, gets out new clothes and puts them on and gets a laser rifle. (laughs) Gets a laser. Yeah. And she comes out to where the doctor is with the TARDIS. And uh, she claims they they go inside and she doesn't know who the doctor is at this point, by the way. She has not introduced herself all this time, apparently. (laughs) No, she she didn't. And that's the funny part is the doctor did not, you know, because she just walked in. Everything I'm about to say is true. And then it goes from there. And they go inside the TARDIS and they beam in to an old style console room. Which is See, interesting. I, I love that. It kind of had a lot of lot of feel to the, the first Doctor, including I wouldn't be surprised yeah. at all if that is the console from an adventure in space and time. I would That is be the one surprised. they rebuilt for that 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 show. Yeah. Yes. Which they also used in the sequel to Face the Raven. Yep. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and the Christmas episode. And yeah. I and her costume evokes William Hartnell's a little yep. bit. Yep. 
Although the loud shirt shirt uh, evokes much better the six shirt, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and she knows what I mean. She says, I I'm, imagine this is confusing. Let me explain. I'm the doctor. I'm a traveler right. in space and time. That's my ship using ship, William Hartnell's yep. word for the TARDIS. Yep. She doesn't well, say even, time machine. Even, she says ship. And then she explains it travels in space and time, time in relative dimensions in space. She knows all she's she, she's coming across as the doctor. She is, and it, yeah. there's even some of the uh, William Hartnell touchiness at times. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I will now, uh, from now on, from the rest of this episode, refer to Dr. Jody and Dr. And Ruth. And Dr. Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say we should call her Ruth Doctor, so we don't call her Dr. Ruth. But... <laughs> no, no. I'm calling her Dr. Ruth, and that's that. So <laughs> it's a Captain Jack episode. So uh, they they <laughs> they both assume that the other one is a is a regeneration in their future, but neither right. one of them remembers them in their past. How can this be? They don't. This, this is a confusing thing for both of them. Um, mm-hmm. The the uh, this Doctor Ruth carries a laser rifle. This is I, I noticed by the way that was a big deal. Um, and yep. she's got a very different personality from Dr. Jody. Uh, it's very interesting here. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I had something else I was going to say. Th- this kind of a big deal online. It's the first uh, uh, black female doctor. Uh, yep. and, and they do credit her as the doctor in the, the doctor, credits. Yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't I mean, w- it is yet to be explained how she can be the doctor. Um, oh, I've got. We've got, got explanations for that. We've got yeah, theories so we'll, too. We'll, yeah, we'll, I've got theories about it too. So yeah, we'll get to that, I guess. Uh, but uh, so well, I, I don't care about the, the fact she's. I don't care about the fact she's the first black female doctor. I care about the fact she's an awesome doctor. <laughs> exactly. I was yeah, going to say. I like exactly. this doctor. I kind of like she's her a little a, better than Jody. <laughs> well, see, that's my. I was just going to say that. And I've seen other people pointed out too. It's like she outclasses Whitaker. She is much more yeah. interesting to watch as the doctor than Jody Whitaker is right now. Yes, a lot more uh, bombastic. That's for sure. Yeah, I, it's it's kind of funny how like they have to be careful not to make fans prefer her over the uh, yeah. regular doctor. Uh, so that'll be interesting. It, it, the, the Sonic says that now that the biological the shielding is gone, the Sonic says mm-hmm. that Jody, Doctor Jody, and Doctor Ruth are the same person. So this isn't a case of mistaken identity or someone's bad memory. They are the same Gallifreyan Time Lord. So and they even confusing. start speaking the same dialogue at, at the, the same, same time, time because yeah. they share yep. the same brain. Oh, we just did that. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> and it's revealed that Doctor Ruth worked for Gat. It's in some uh, some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. Uh, and so, Gat is apparently a Gallifreyan, it, as you mentioned. My, my theory yeah. is Gat is CIA celestial yep. intervention. That's agency. the ob- obvious one. She says it's a job you don't volunteer for and can't leave. That's a celestial. Which of course the doctor agency. has worked for the CIA before. That's right. something yep. we've seen before. So yep the the uh, the celestial intervention agency is, uh, in case you don't remember, is a uh, Gallifreyan spy agency who has the same acronym as the Central Intelligence Agency, but it's not it's the same. Not, thing. That is not a coincidence at all. That's <laughs> not pre- precisely what the showrunners did way back when when they yeah. developed them. Yeah. This is from Classic Who decades ago. And and so apparently Gat is an agent of the CIA who had the same training as Lee because yep. she yep. refers to that's the thing about her. That's the problem with our training. We both know the same tricks. Right. And um, and so Lee was is apparently also a Gallifreyan um, mm-hmm. and uh, and a CIA agent. And then apparently the doctor got roped into being a CIA agent in this incarnation as well. 
and uh, and they were able to track the doctor and Lee because Lee kept his broken uh, metal, metal Gallifreyan metal, uh, and it, they were able to track it eventually, and that's how they they tracked him down. Uh, that the doctor and Doctor Ruth and Doctor Jody take the TARDIS up to the Jadoon ship, and um, they are confronted by Gat and the Jadoon. And the doc, Dr. Jody realizes that the others don't know about the destruction of Gallifrey. So they must be from the past. Right. right. Uh, yeah. And then the. Uh, and and most telepathic doctor ever. Fifth telepathy in five episodes. She makes contact with Gat and shows yes. her an image of Gallifrey destroyed. Right. Now, <laughs> Dr. Jody really is frustrating here because Dr. Ruth gets the laser rifle taken from her and now Gat is holding it on her and is wants to shoot her and Dr. Jody who has been told be quiet I know what I'm doing here like has to start you know try to talk him down and try to negotiate here and Dr. Ruth is like no no I've rigged the gun to explode when they fire it uh, a very violent uh, version of the doctor yeah. compared to Dr. Jody and uh and so, I, I, compared to Dr. Jody, yes, but not compared to other versions you know, of the doctor. I can no. easily see. I mean, <sighs> Peter Davison's doctor took a gun and shot a Cyberman directly in the chest. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> so the but I can easily see other versions of the doctor sabotaging a gun and then saying, I, I begged them not to use it. I begged them not to use it to justify it. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, then uh, once Gat is dead, and apparently Gat is not the the person who hired the Jadoon. Um, she mm, was operating right. uh, sort of outside her uh, the where she what she was supposed to do. Um, by, by the by the way, the um, uh, I've seen some people say, "Wait, why don't Gat and Lee regenerate if they're Time Lords?" It's because Time Lords can be killed in ways that don't let them regenerate, like, like, like if you say, disintegrate their body. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, exactly. like a gun that completely destroys them, not even allows, leaves anything left to regenerate. Right, right. Uh, Dr. Uh, Ruth now tells the Jadoon, you're in the interstellar space, so there is no jurisdiction here, and so we're free to go, even though the contract is still in force, apparently. Um, and then uh, the doctor says... Uh, Dr. Jody as the you know time she's she's back with the fam the fam has come back um she says time is swirling around me captain jack the master ruth something is coming for me uh she gets all melancholy and the fam bucks her mm -hmm. up hey you know be, be, we're we're with you we're here with you and also she's more revealing than cuz they they've been building this doctor is being secretive with the fam theme yes. and mm -hmm. here when they say, so who, Yaz says, who, so who is the fugitive? She says it was Ruth. And she could have stopped there, but then she says, and it turned out Ruth was me. Right. Right. And, um, and so she's being more revealing with the fam now. That's good. That's yes. nice, nice progression of this arc. That's true. That's true. So, uh, what do you think? What, wh who is Dr. Ruth? It, you know, it, it, we, she's apparently this is the big established yeah. she's the real doctor, but mm -hmm. who is she? So, Father, you want to or you want me to? So well, I, I'll just throw out my my what mm -hmm. the, the I had picked a fourth one, but you mentioned earlier, Dom, that it's clear that this is the same person. Because yeah. one one thing I thought is maybe this was something like the next doctor or, or someone else that got maybe the memories plus a little bit more, you know, so that it, it, the person appears to the song screwdriver to be the same doctor. But okay. uh, that that I think is probably the least likely. One possibility is an alternate universe, alternate mm -hmm. universe first doctor. That's what um, I was thinking. Yeah. 
one one thing I saw online, which I agree with the people online, I hope they're not going to go here, is it's actually pre-Hartnell Doctor, hmm. and I hope they don't go there. Um, and then maybe a future Doctor who is completely forgotten who she was at the time of being Jody, Doctor Jody. Well, only if Gallifrey comes back. Only if Gallifrey comes back. Right. Um, so those. those those are the three most likely ones that I could see them going. With. We have had instances of the of the doctor not remembering particular incarnations like the war doctor. Yeah. yeah. And the, so. there was the the uh, brain of Morbius episode that we've talked about before. I'm gonna, I want to talk about that. And that's, right. I'll All right, turn Jimmy, that over that's, to you. That's your cue. <laughs> OK, so the s- similar options occurred to me. Uh, obvious one is this is a parallel universe doctor. Another one is it's a time has been rewritten time clone doctor. This is an alternate timeline of the same doctor mm. that branched off at some point. Another possibility is it's a hidden regeneration. She um, mentions moving to Gloucester in 1999 in mid-December. That's mm. oddly specific. What right. else do we know happening in the universe in December of 1999? The Paul McGann regeneration. Yep. Oh, and, oh, over right. in San Francisco. So yep. it could be some kind. I don't think this is it, but it could be hypothetically some kind of hidden regeneration that's hidden. Like the war doctor was a hidden regeneration. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and it could also be a total trick. Uh, it could right. it could be someone who's just fooling. They really go out of their way to say it's not that. Um, and it also could be someone who innocently, like Jackson Lake, believes he's the doctor, yeah. but isn't. Well, OK, so and then finally, it's a pre-Hartnell regeneration. So um, <clears throat> if it's any of those but the last, I'm going to be really disappointed uh, hmm. if it's a parallel timeline, doc- if it's a, if it's parallel universe doctor. I don't care. That's that's just going to undercut the drama of this. If it's a fork in the doctor's timeline, that's going to undercut the drama of this. If it's a um, if it's a hidden regeneration that's within the ones we know about, that's interesting. But I don't see where it fits, because the only thing that did fit, the only missing point in the doctor's sequence of regenerations was where the war doctor was, because we had not seen Paul McGann's regeneration. Right. Right. And so we didn't know, is there a, is there an incarnation that follows him? So they've sewn up all that now. Um, if it's someone who innocently believes he's the doctor, they've done that. That's that was the yeah. next doctor. And if it's uh, if it's um, uh, someone who's deliberately fooling the doctor, I've seen that in Big Finish. I don't know how many times. Someone shows up claiming to be the doctor and it's going to undercut the drama of this. The only satisfactory payoff for this is this is a pre Hartnell doctor that there was. And there's evidence in the show that there was a previous cycle of regenerations. We haven't got to this episode yet, but in the fourth doctor episode, the brain of Morbius, we meet a time Lord named Morbius and he engages in a mental battle with the fourth doctor, with uh, Tom Baker's doctor. And in the brain of Morbius, as they're having this mental battle, we see a screen that starts displaying images of the doctor's face, starting with Tom Baker's regressing to John Pertwee's regressing to Patrick Troughton, regressing to William Hartnell, and then regressing further. And as that's happening, 
Morbius says, is your is your mind, doctor, going? And then he says, how far, doctor? How long have you lived? And then he says, your puny mind is powerless against the strength of Morbius. Back to the beginning. And you hear Tom Baker screaming like, not that far. And as this is happening, we see eight other images of the doctor. Mm -hmm. And and uh, you can look them up on TARDIS Wikia. Just look up the doctor brain of Morbius. Um, Robert Holmes is even one of the previous incarnations, <laughs> as are other members of the of the cast and crew or of the crew. They wanted famous actors to volunteer for this, but none did. So they just played the part themselves. <laughs> mm. And they were serious about these are previous incarnations of the doctor. Like some of the uh, showrunner, uh, Philip Hinchcliffe, I believe, has mm -hmm. said, I am a previous I have played the doctor in this yeah. sequence of images. Um, yeah. At at this time, there was no twelve limit regenerate twelve regeneration limit, right. and so um, so uh, that came along a little bit later. M which Robert Holmes was one of the co-authors of this episode, and he's the guy who came up with the twelfth regeneration limit. My guess is, if you take the eight that we saw in Brain of Morbius plus the four from the series, that would make Tom Baker's regeneration the last. Of the sequence. And my guess is that may have been the original plan was to do for Peter Davison's doctor what they did with Matt Smith's doctor mm. and to juice the drama. It's like this is the last regeneration. Um, but then the plan went another way. So then come the 90s, when Andrew Cartmel becomes the uh, showrunner or the script editor, uh, he develops what's called the, Har the Cartmel Master Plan, which helds, held that the doctor was not an ordinary time lord that um he had originally been one of the founders of Gallifrey and civilization alongside Rassilon and Omega and he was called the other and he had a set of incarnations as the other and then ended up falling into a genetic loom and coming out as William Hartnell and not really remembering his time as the other and so uh, it, also, it was during the Cartmel era that Chris Chibnall became a fan of the show. And mm. so he could be reviving in some form the Cartmel master plan. I I really would like to see them just come out and say there was a previous cycle of regenerations. The doctor was working for the CIA and the, as a result, they suppressed the doctor's memory. That's the most lot and. Furthermore, since we in the glimpse we saw of the timeless child, the timeless child was a little black girl. And now this version of the doctor is mm -hmm. a grown up black woman. Maybe this is the first incarnation of the doctor ever. And she's the timeless child grown up. No. And that's and so that's that to me is the logical way to pay off the drama they've set up here by mm -hmm. by saying this is the doctor to us. And this is a past doctor. and. Uh, things like that. They're making a big dramatic promise to the audience. And that to me seems to be the most logical way to pay it off. And the master did kind of say, you know, it's going to change everything you thought you knew about yourself. The mm -hmm, right. child. Now, the, the one I'm not saying this is going to completely burst the bubble. It probably won't do anything to burst the bubble at all. But the Tart the the Dr. Roos TARDIS was the police box. Mm hmm. We know for a fact that the TARDIS did not become a police box until True. 1963 in the junkyard with William Hartnell. 
William Hartnell right. doctor. So I'm again, I'm not saying that completely bursts the bubble, but I am saying, though, that does bring a question whether or not this is the particular path they're going to go. And I have yeah. seen people speculate that on online is that the timeless child is the doctor is that there are a series of regenerations before William Hartnell that the doctor does not remember. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, that you, you could be absolutely 100% right. And it, it will be interesting to see how they play that because so, that, that, that's, that's a very careful thing that yeah. they have to tread there. I do want to add, uh, by the way, that uh, there is a line of dialogue in this episode where Dr. Jody says that she's, you know, when they talk about her age, she's far older, that she doesn't even remember how old she is anymore. Right. She's far older, that which implies well, the, Matt, Matt, the Matt Smith era didn't help that either, though, where he right. aged like 2000 years over the course of three seasons. Well, I think Capaldi spent, you know, an eternity in the diary. Whatever I, don't, the, I don't count that. That's that, that's just rebooting. Yeah. OK, that, yeah. that that was just yes, it did this whole thing. But the actual real time, you know, it, yeah, that's I don't true. Think so. That's true. All right. Well, that that, that would be fascinating. I kind of I, I like the idea of introducing this whole other um, part of the doctor's history that, you know, that, that goes be before William Hartnell to find out who the doctor was before. That would be interesting to me to find out, to dig mm-hmm. into that. Um, also, given that the, given that oh, the console room is the old console room, it lends mm-hmm. credence to that for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, but you can say Jimmy. Um, so a few th- additional things. Now I will be very unhappy if they, if they explain this away, yeah. you know, they've mm-hmm. made promises to the audience that are too big to just explain away. Um, one thing that I, a couple of things that I predict. Um, so the Jadoon, when, when Dr. Ruth is getting ready to leave, she tells the Jadoon, if you know what's good for you, don't come after me again. And the Jadoon, as she's leaving, say Jadoon contracts must be fulfilled. And, the so they're going to come after her again, mm-hmm. presumably in the last two episodes of this season, and they're going to fulfill the contract. So Gat apparently was an agent. Dom, you said exceeding her authority, maybe, or I don't know if that's it, it, the case or not. But yeah, she she was she was a junior agent dealing with this case. And and according to the Jadoon, what their contract specifies is they must deliver the fugitive to the contractee at the division. So right. they're going mm-hmm. to grab the doctor, take the doctor to the division, and there turn her over to the Time Lord that contracted with them to get the doctor. Right. Um, so that's part of what's going to be happening later in this series. Um, the one thing that occurred to me, and they may not pay this off this series at all, because Captain Jack said he may not see us soon. He may not mm-hmm. see the doctor anytime soon, but he will be there when the doctor needs him. So that could be setting up something for a future series. But given the similarity of what he said about the lone Cyberman, that the mm-hmm. Cyberman is an empire of evil that's mm-hmm. fallen into ruins and don't give it what it wants because it could all come back. That sounds you strip off the word Cyberman and put in Time Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of that works. What, um, yeah. What if the lone Cyberman is a Time Lord who's been made into a Cyberman? Maybe. Um, and, you know, and so I'm wondering if there's not if that's not somehow what's going on with Gallifrey, mm. um, because the doctor is not going to have a powerful temptation to give a Cyberman what it wants to bring back a cyber empire, even threatening right. a companion. 
is is you know something that yeah the doctor would not will feel bad about that but it's not obvious that the doctor would give in to that kind of demand but bring back Gallifrey that would put pressure mm-hmm. on the doctor to give in to her request right um so I I wonder if there's something going on there uh but we'll have to see. Uh, just it has been sort of revealed by folks that the Cybermen do return at the the season finale this year. Okay, so we will see Cybermen oh. this season. Yeah. Also, we may get now. I've seen some people say, "Well, it looks like next next episode is another Monster of the Week filler type episode." I don't think so. And there's a re I, at least I suspect it's not. And the reason mm-hmm. I say that is this episode was written by Chris Chibnall, co written. So Co-written. apparently, someone else did the initial draft, and then Chris Chibnall came in to write all the sensitive stuff yep. mm-hmm. about the Doctor's background. Right, well, guess what? A- next episode is also co written by Chris Chibnall. Yeah, and so I think we may be getting more sensitive stuff next episode. Well, yeah. the 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 pretty much explicitly say that because you know as the, you know they're right at the end of the episode the TARDIS goes nuts and there's three warnings all over Earth and oh, let's go find out what's going on and right. they take off and so it's pretty clear the next episode is a continuation of that. Uh, this episode, by the way, was co-written by Vinay Patel, who wrote Demons of the Punjab. Yes, last season. Last season. Yeah. So uh, and did a good job. Uh, this was a good yes. episode. Yes. Yes. Uh, and um, Chris Chibnall co-writes the next episode too. So that's right. Yeah, yep. That evidence exactly. Um, uh, as we're doing, you know, kind of more things going forward. Um, one thing I will say is the season twelve console room still looks hideous, but at least it's brighter. You can actually yeah. see the walkway into the rest of the TARDIS, unlike season eleven where it was <laughs> it was dark. Uh, I love I, the old classic Beetle. And then, no, the car. You know, the, yes. Yeah. The yeah. The old Beetle car. And then I, I like. Had, I like. You mentioned the TARDIS control room. I like how it goes blue now, and yeah. that means something. So, right. like, here yep. is the TARDIS that you got a new text message coming in about an adventure you might be interested in. It goes blue, and she's like, "You're siding with them, aren't you?" Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Talk, start talking to the TARDIS, and then Gat mentioned something. Of course, we've we've heard for years that's been part of Doctor Who history. Two of the same Time Lord can't occupy the same space at the same time. It's an abomination. You'll destroy the time streams before reaching Gallifrey. Yeah, you know, but so that, that yeah, idea that you're they, crossing the time stream, don't cross the time streams. Except yeah, the doctors the, have done that. <laughs> well, Many times. Not, it, she they kind of qualify it saying you'll destroy the time streams before you get to Gallifrey, right? Which right. I think is where Division Headquarters is, where they need to turn them over, maybe. Right. Um, yep. But they've actually done that because the five doctors has all five doctors in in the death zone on Gallifrey yep. together. So they really play fast and loose with the Blinovich limitation effect. Mm-hmm. Um, my, but they do maintain this myth among, among time Lords to reinforce the laws of time that this is super duper ultra mega dangerous. Right. And, but it, it may be, that's like, oh, only a tiny fraction of trills can really be symbionts. Yep. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and- uh- Okay, so uh, any other notes on this episode? Uh, and just kind of one, one final thing is this yep. obviously was a, a episode to honor Russell T. Davies. So many things from his era came out in this. The Jejun and Jack Harkness and the Psychic Paper and some Chameleon of Chameleon Arch. Yeah. Chameleon Arch. So, yes, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of stuff that, that, that originated with uh, Russell T. Davies. That's true. All right. So lots to look forward to next week. Another, I mean, I have to say so far. One stinker of an episode this season, but the others have been pretty good. And this one, yep. I, I enjoyed yep. this one a lot. 
so I'm I'm looking forward to where we're going with this. This yeah. has been good. I I enjoyed this even more than Spyfall. I think this is the best thing Chris Chibnall has done. Yes, yes. Uh, we'll have to to see how the uh, the YouTubers spin this one. <laughs> how horrible <laughs> it must be. Uh, why it's why it, uh, is the downfall of of uh, Doctor Who? Anyway, uh, we'll end uh, on the high note of how much we like it. So before we head out, I want to take a moment to take a to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Colleen H, Colin M, Anne S, Karen S, and Whitney B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Uh, by the way, uh, we always look forward to your feedback. We love getting feedback from you. This might be one of the first episodes where we got a lot of feedback before we even did a recording about it. <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, we were getting people posting on our Facebook page. Uh, thank you to uh, UK uh, listener Bennett Gillespie, who gave us a warning, avoid internet spoilers, because he yeah. saw it hours before we did, of course. So that was, thank you very much. Uh, so if you do want to send us some feedback or tell us what you thought of Fugitive Jadu- of the Jadoon, let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or via email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode, Praxius. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the Secrets of Doctor Who. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, all right, Monday, do your worst. Right. This is going to be fun.